0: Check, check, mic, check. Check, check, mic, check. (laughs) Welcome to Podcast Envy. I'm your podcast boss, Andrea Clunder, and I have two words for you. David Cadavy. Okay, I have more words than that. Love your work podcast. Okay, even more than that. But seriously, that's all you need to know. Just go find David's podcast. Love your work. Subscribe, listen to it, get his books. And yeah, that's basically what I have to say to you here. But just in case you want to keep listening to this episode, I will tell you that I have been listening to David since he was featured on Rome Howell with Jennifer Gardner. and I decided to have him on my other show, The Creative Imposter, for a deep dive into creative productivity, publishing a book, or well, several, actually. And of course, imposter syndrome. We also got totally podcast boss nerdy talking shop about podcasting, which believe it or not, I do not feel like I actually get to do enough. So for your convenience, I have excerpted that part of our magical conversation for you right here on this episode of Podcast Envy. And if you fall in love with David the way I have, you can hear the whole interview at thecreativeimpostercom forward slash zero six zero. But in the meantime, here are our thoughts about craft, voice, making money, and more. Let's talk about the podcast for just a couple of minutes. What prompted you to start a podcast?
1: One thing that I've learned over the years is that I should create things that I consume. Hmm. So I have a couple of online courses and they're good revenue drivers. They do help people. But you know, I just kind of have a hard time getting into online courses because I've almost never bought an online course. But I do buy books. I read so many books. I hardly even read on the internet. I don't even read blog posts. I just buy books. And then I also listen to podcasts. I've been listening to podcasts for so long. I probably listened to my first podcast in 2004 or something like that. And this is one of those things that I really put off. There's even a scene in the book where I uh, was in Buenos Aires sharing an apartment with a friend. And I told her, you know, I was thinking about maybe I should start a podcast. I could interview people like you who have built these cool companies and stuff. This was Laura Roder, CEO of, of Meet Edgar. Mm-hmm. And she was like, yeah, I think you should do it. She's like a very decisive person. If she has an idea, she just goes ahead and does it. I'm not like that. I was like, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, I should. Four years later, I finally started the podcast. Now, why did I start it? One was I consume podcasts. I love podcasts. And I was listening to so many podcasts. And there was just like something missing. There was was a podcast that I wanted to listen to that wasn't out there. There were certain people that I wanted to interview. There were values that I wanted to bring out, values of having like a, a nourishing and a healthy definition of success, values about being driven being driven by your values in deciding what is important in, in your business and what you do, and also these ideas about optimizing your creative output rather than just being kind of like productivity, I'm a machine, um, how many <laughs> widgets can I crank out type of thing. And so I just didn't really see the podcasts that I wanted to listen to out there. Now, why podcast as opposed to, say... Video. I don't really watch a lot of YouTube. Mm -hmm. I mean, I go on there and I'll like look for information if there's something that's important to YouTube. And I understand that a lot of people, they do watch YouTube, but I don't. Um, So I at least started with audio in part because, in a way, audio is even more intimate than video is. Mm -hmm. When you make a podcast, your voice is directly going into people's ears you know, most people are listening on their mobile devices. Most of them are listening with headphones. Your voice becomes like the voice in their head. That's an incredibly close connection. It's such a privilege to have people actually listen to your podcast when you create it. And it's also just way less complicated to to do right. And I've done videos from courses and I've done made YouTube videos and stuff. But you know, podcast, you got got to get the audio video. You got to get the audio right. And you can't necessarily be in some ugly looking studio. <laughs> you got to get, you got to get the lighting. The lighting is so hard. And then there's also, I, you know, I've taken certain performing arts classes at Second City. I've taken acting classes and improv classes and, and stuff. And I still, you know, I don't know if I'm necessarily at the level yet where I can like really be awesome on camera because you've got to get your brain moving and say the right things, which, you know, maybe you have a teleprompter, which makes things more, very complicated. How can you make it so your eyes are looking at the camera? <laughs> and you've got to perform you know, your gesticulations, like the way you're moving your hands and your body and everything has to be a certain way and, and your face to like really do it right. Now, it might just be that I just have too much attention to detail mm-hmm. and I should probably just go ahead and make video. But I just saw it as somewhat lower investment with equal, if not higher engagement.
0: My undergrad actually is in mass media communication with an emphasis in film and video. Oh, yeah. So you want to talk about like my perfectionist tendencies. That's one reason I don't really make videos is because I know how to do it. And it has to be exactly right or I go crazy
1: to do it well is very hard. And this is something that I don't know. Again, this could be like, is it cursive knowledge? I'm not sure what it is. But it's just like, there's probably plenty of people out there who don't think about mm-hmm. their vocal delivery or the way that they move or the lighting and stuff and they go ahead and make YouTube videos and they end up learning along the way and they're just fine. Yeah. It's this end- endlessly complex thing or so many of these things are. So many of these these media things are, even podcasting, you yeah. know. I, I do vocal warm-ups. Mhm before podcast interviews, and you know, I, I took voice lessons in, in Chicago, and and even though I'm still not a very good singer, there's people who dedicate their entire lives to getting these crafts right and being very good at them, and so I enjoy learning those details. But for me, especially at the time when I started the podcast, learning all that I needed to learn to do video how I wanted to was maybe a bit much, but I saw the podcast would make a lot of progress that way.
0: You just validated this idea that has recently come to my attention, which is before doing film and video, I studied voice and was actually a music major for one year and doing classical voice and opera training. And I've been working with a lot of new podcasters and there are things about voice and vocal performance that I think are very relevant to podcasting that a lot of people I just assume everyone does them and knows them because I just do them naturally. And then I listen to some people's shows. And I'm like, No, people don't know that stuff. (laughs) They don't know know. how to control their voice. And I've been thinking of this idea of doing like, you know, voice lessons or voice coaching for podcasters and content creators. So thank you for validating that.
1: That, I think, is a very cool idea. And, you know, having listened to your podcast, it's not a surprise to me at all that you have training in that stuff because you do have a very good vocal delivery. But, yeah, this is something most people don't think about. I remember talking to somebody the other day and I was talking about, you know, doing the audible version of my book. And uh, he's like, oh, that's easy. You just have to talk. (laughs) I'm like, "Uh, yeah, no, that's not. It is a very difficult art. And mm-hmm. even on Audible, there's professional voiceover people who make a book unlistenable, whether it's because of your taste or just because they're trailing off at the end of words or yeah. things like that. And you really have to put a lot of thought in it. And now, I feel bad because we're on the Un- imposter syndrome uh, show. <laughs> and it's like, what's us see how complicated we can make something very simple, like starting a podcast, which honestly just you know, if you think about doing one, just go ahead and, and do it and you'll get better as, as you go. But just know that there's an endlessly, there's an endlessly deep well of things that you can learn through that process to get better and better. That yeah. I think a lot of people just ignore.
0: Absolutely. And I think that if you have an idea of something that you want to start, everyone has their strengths that they bring to the table and the aspects of it that are going to come naturally. And then there's going to be the things that they have a little learning curve with. And I think knowing where you do need some support or some help or some training or some coaching is a great place to be because there's definitely resources out there for pretty much anything that you want to learn, especially I've been discovering you can learn pretty much anything you need on YouTube. <laughs> Speaking of YouTube.
1: Mm-hmm. There's some good warm up videos on on YouTube even. And, and just to be specific about like weak spots and strong spots. I mean, like I'm generally not really great at being off the cuff. So I write the script for all my intros. Uh, I'm reading uh-huh. them. You know, I mean, then then you have to have this other skill of being able to read a script without sounding like a robot. Yeah. But, you know, I, I make up for that. And there's levels of complexity that I think people are afraid to try because if they're not, exposed to that field. They don't realize like how hard people work on something in in very, very professional media, such as television, etc., where there is a script for all sorts of stuff. Even reality TV is like going to have some kind of guided story to Mm -hmm. it and, and things like that. Just putting that planning in ahead of time can really make things so much easier. Oh,
0: hey, it's that special time of the episode where we acknowledge our podcast angels who financially help make this show and The Creative Imposter possible. And today is the best angel of them all. You. That's right. You. You heard me. You want to be a podcast angel, don't you? Here's how. Have you ever heard of a website called Patreon? Patreon is kind of a cool, funky, awesome sort of crowdfunding campaign whereby you get to become a patron of someone who is creating awesome things that are of value to you. So rather than a one-time pledge of $100, 200 50 20 whatever, $500, $5,000 for a one-time return on investment, you contribute a small-ish amount ongoing every month. And in exchange, you get access to secret content from me so for example you can contribute anywhere from two dollars to a hundred dollars a month enough to earn the special title of podcast magic genie so if you want to learn some super special secret audio quality tips for upping your podcast production game whether you are actually going to hire a podcast editor or whether you are going to DIY it which we'll get to in a minute I am pledging a promise to you that if we can get the Patreon up to at least $50 per month, that's like 10 of you becoming a podcast barista at the $5 a month level, and have to buy me a cup of premium pour-over coffee at my favorite coffee shop in Chicago, then we can do it. A custom editing tutorial for everyone who has contributed on Patreon. You can learn more and get in on the action at thecreativeimposter.com forward slash support, and I know you want to be an angel. Go ahead, pop on over to thecreativeimposter.com forward slash support, and buy me that cup of coffee. You could also leave me a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. That wouldn't hurt either. (sighs)
1: Hmm.
0: So I did want to ask you one of the things that I've noticed on your podcast since I've been binging it lately, ever since I discovered it somewhat recently. Thank you. Thank you. Is something that brings up a lot of issues for me in terms of imposter syndrome and in terms of, you know, making my palms sweat and butterflies in my stomach, asking for financial support from your community. Oh, yeah. You know, podcasting is one of those things where people are like, oh, you just plug a microphone into your computer, you record this thing. It it can't cost that much, right? To produce a podcast. But, you know, it does have to come from somewhere. And if you're putting out consistent quality content, that content has a value. And yet we've become accustomed as an audience to the expectation that that content is free. And I hear you asking for financial support in various ways on your show. And I'm just curious how you came to the decision for the funding model that you're using and how that feels to ask for financial support from your community and your listenership.
1: Absolutely. I decided that I wanted the work that I do, such as the podcast or the writing that I do to be kind of the product in a way. Now, having an understanding, you know, having worked for uh, social startups in Silicon Valley and worked with online advertising and, and stuff, understanding the way that those models work. Currently things don't necessarily work that way because everything's free. It's all about getting eyeballs and then you sell the eyeballs off to advertisers because people generally aren't going to pay for stuff and you're not going to get exposure for your work. If people have to pay for it, and so that's why that's the way that media gets shaped the way that it does. That that's, for example, a an incentive that causes fake news is that okay. We just need to get people to click on the headline, and we Mm -hmm. need to get them to the page, and then we can sell their eyeballs off to advertisers. It doesn't really matter how they feel about what content they see. In fact, it's probably better if they're very upset and they will share it, etc. I wanted to go in a different direction with that, and Mm -hmm. I know that that's like it's a little naive. Um, (laughs) but I'm optimistic with some technologies that I'm seeing coming or things like Patreon, which we'll get to in a second. Now it was tough for me because I do come from this kind of, at least peers of mine are kind of info marketers who I've been taught over the years, like, okay, make lots of free content, give it away for free. And when you ask for money, you better ask for a lot of money. (laughs) Yeah, you you better have a $1,000 course. Now, for people to buy a $1,000 course, you have to create something that is very specific. that's going to help them solve a specific problem. They can feel confident they're going to make a profit on that amount of money. Now, the reason why people will advise to do that is that whether they give you $3 or they give you $1,000, the act of giving you that money suddenly takes away any guilt that they have or any feeling of need of reciprocating for all this stuff that you've given them for free over the years or that's the general wisdom anyway and so i have an issue with like i said i don't personally take a lot of online courses i love books the problem with books is a book can change your life like i read tim ferriss's 4 hour work week A little more than 10 years ago, it completely rewired my brain, changed my mental operating system, changed my life. I made hundreds of thousands of dollars on it. I've redesigned my entire lifestyle based upon that book. I borrowed it from a friend. I have bought maybe one of Tim Ferriss's books. I've listened to hundreds of hours of his podcast. He doesn't ask for a donation, he sells books. And so over the last 10 years, I've gotten all that value from him. He's gotten maybe just understanding how publishing works. He's gotten maybe three or $4 from me Mm -hmm. in that entire time. Now, if somebody had come to me in 2007 and said, hey, I'm going to rewire your brain. You're never going to see the world the same again. All you have to do is give me $1,000. I would have said, screw off. Like, I'm not going to. No, no, just forget it. (laughs) You know, like it, it's hard to yeah. understand the value of it before you read it. So they, that's an issue with media that I, I, I think kind of needs to be fixed. So I have some sponsors here and there, and then I've, I've been doing a Patreon. Now, having come from the world of you have to make an online course, I wanted to position Patreon as a product. And so it's like you get early access to episodes, you get some bonus content, you get hangouts with me at certain levels, you might get your business mentioned or your name mentioned and things like that, like these value things. And I started positioning it that way. Now, I don't think that that worked very well. I've called it Love Your Work Elite. And lately, I've been dipping my toes and more being about like, just donate because this is something that matters in the world because this is nourishing thoughtful media and nourishing thoughtful media is very difficult to monetize, which isn't the best pitch, but it's (laughs) at least like it's honest. It's the direction I'm going in. Yeah, it's honest, but I don't know. It feels a little like like begging or whatever. But I have found that going with the just straight up asking for a donation route, I've been getting more Patreon supporters that way. And I think that the way that it works psychologically, because this is something that I think about a lot, is that People enjoy giving the money and feeling good about giving the money and the bonus stuff that they get just kind of helps sweeten the Mm -hmm. deal. Now that said, I'm not like covering my production expenses even with that just yet. But I I certainly know some people like Drew Ackerman from uh, Sleep With Me podcast. Mm -hmm. who has a ton of listeners. It's a podcast that helps you sleep. And I remember talking to him at the podcast movement conference and asking his advice. And he was like, I think, you know, just ask for them to give and believe that they will. That was like his advice. <laughs> so I've been trying that more. And yeah, it's uh, there was some discomfort to get through in order to do that. That
0: was David Cadavy from the Love Your Work podcast. Go subscribe to his show. And while you're at it, Why don't you go back to the creative imposter and listen to our whole conversation and subscribe to that show too. I hear it's pretty good. Also, please visit podcastenvy.com and drop your email there in the little box so conveniently created for you by one of our other podcast angels, ConvertKit, so I can share some podcasting related goodies with you. You know that thing I was talking about with David, voice training for podcasters and content creators? Yes, that I want to create that, but I need to know if you want that or there's no point in creating it. So this summer, I'm doing it if you want it. And if you want it first, then you will want to be on that email list for Podcast Envy. Finally, please go ahead and tap the subscribe button in your app where you are listening to this show right now so you never miss an episode of Podcast Envy. And if you have any other podcasters or aspiring podcasters in your life, share the love by sharing this episode. Podcast Envy is produced by your podcast boss, Andrea Klunder. That's me. The podcast Envy Theme Music is by Valentin Sosnitsky, courtesy of the Freesound Project at freesound.org, and our podcast Angel Music is by Benjamin Masterpolito, also on freesound.org as Lemon Cream. All music is licensed under the Creative Commons. Our episodes are mixed by Edwin Ruiz, and hey, if you want your show to sound as good as ours, hire us. Put the magic audio mojo of the Creative Imposter Studios to work for you. Thanks so much for listening, and here's to making your podcast the envy of everyone else.